you know, for me, I know you share your testimony often because you teach in lots of different places and you share it every year. But um, for me, because I don't have that platform, it's different, but it's the same kind of thing. But my deprogramming was probably more the deprogramming of just life being all about fun and for me, mm. you know, and just kind of having to, you know, be deprogrammed from from that from those desires of of just kind of self-fulfillment mm. and of mm. um uh life being bigger than me and i think now that i'm older I'm, that's what the lord's really been working on me the last number of years is just realizing that this is not all that there is to life welcome to this week's episode of the his hill podcast my name is kelly doherty and i'm your host Today I have with me a very special guest. This should be an interesting conversation because whenever I sit down to talk with her, I don't always know where we're going. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, I have with me today my wife, Arlene. (laughs) I I know that there'll be many of you who are alumni who will be excited about this conversation and probably wondering when do we get to hear from Arlene. Well, today we do. Hi, Arlene. Hi, dear. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Or pressure. (laughs) Okay, good start. (laughs) Now, uh, Arlene, uh, we've been married for over 36 years now. That's a long time. That's a long time. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, although we got married pretty young... You were yeah. you were nineteen. Uh, there there was some some years that you know I just wasn't around. And I've only heard about, and I'd like for you to share the, about that time uh, here in this in this um, episode. If I can remember. Oh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> You're younger than me. Uh, you were nineteen. I was twenty when we got married. Maybe we'll get to that <laughs> and explain how that happened. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a great thing. Um, so anyway, um, Arlene, tell everybody where you grew up. Well, I grew up in Abbotsford in British Columbia, Canada, and I grew up in Aldergrove. I was born in MSA Hospital in Abbotsford. I'm the third down in the family. I have two older sisters and a younger brother, but there's kind of a gap between me and my next oldest sister, so... It always was kind of like my mom would say she had two families. So she had her two older daughters, and then there was this gap, and then there was me and my brother. And um, so I always kind of felt myself as kind of being the, not necessarily the baby girl, but sort of the oldest of the youngest. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of in charge of Jeff. It was great. And Jeff always. Jeff is my brother. And Jeff always appreciated you being in charge. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. But, yeah. Go ahead. Well, now, your tell us a little bit about your your mom and your dad. Well, mom and dad were both born in the Ukraine under communism. Uh, they were uh, they're both Mennonite, and um, so their childhood was very different than yours and mine, obviously. And, um, growing up in the Mennonite world, um, was very different than even maybe some of the listeners who are Mennonite background, whose, um, grandparents or great grandparents came 
over in the early 1900s versus when my parents came over, which would have been in 1948. So their upbringing was very different. My dad um, was about eight years, eight, nine years older than my mom. And so my dad's experiences um, in um, the Ukraine, they always called it Russia, um, was very different than even my mom's because my mom was so young and left the country when she was quite young. My dad, though, was the oldest of four kids. And um, because of the way the war was and the way the communist regime was, um, his father was taken away and sent to Siberia when he was when my dad was 12. I think that really shaped dad in how he raised us. Um, I've thought about it over the years, and I think that him not having a father for so much of his, um, grow, not, not so much the growing up years, but just the teenage years, just how important that was um, that he was not in his life and dad was the oldest so he was sort of the provider as they were immigrants to Canada so he took care of his mom and he watched out for his siblings so I think that really shaped dad and how he raised us my what my aunt was funny she's the youngest in their family my dad's youngest sister and she would always tell us she said oh he always practiced everything on me first before he got to you <laughs> so every little line that my dad had like you know you don't want to do the dishes oh well then just do them till you like them you know she said well that he used on me first so he was kind of like a father figure even to his siblings mm. so um my dad grew up very differently than most kids would grow up he had a lot of responsibility mm. my mom was a lot younger than dad and um and she came to canada with both parents which was kind of rare um, during the wartime then, a lot of the women wound up by themselves in Canada in the uh, during World War II. But my mom was very fortunate and blessed by the Lord to have her dad um, with her, mm. which she talks about still, um, just that that was rare and a blessing in their life. So I know that shaped mom in a different way. She was the youngest of two, just two daughters like we have, just mm. the two girls. And she was the youngest and... It's kind of a big span between she and her sister. So I know that shaped her too, but the Lord brought mom and dad together um, in Vancouver when my dad was working out there. Or, I don't know, mom was working out there. Or they were both working out there and, um, and brought them together. And to back up just slightly, dad was not a believer until he was about 16 years old and he came to Christ um, as they had fled out of Russia, um, there were a lot of evangelical services being held in Europe at that time. Uh, Christians were really flooding in and giving the gospel, and so my dad accepted Christ at that time, and his life radically changed. Mm -hmm. So I know not only did um, not having a father for around for a lot of his his um, you know older um, teenage years, he also, on the flip side, he had the father. He had God the father. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, a, a very strong 
believer. You know, he passed away in his late sixties uh, from cancer, but, and, and, you know, that was, and still is a big loss for us. Um, but he, the years he had were really rich, profitable years yeah. where he, he plugged into our lives. He displayed, um, he, he's one of the, I would say one of the, the four people in my life who were, uh, very uh, influential in demonstrating uh, the the life of Christ. You know, he didn't necessarily have mm-hmm. the terminology that torchbearers have, but he uh, he definitely had the life and the relationship it, yeah, with the Lord. Yeah, that my uncle told me years later. His my dad's brother said that after my dad came to Christ at 16, he just read the Bible cover to cover over and over Mm, again. mm, I didn't know that. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he said he just ate up the word of God. And I think after everything they'd experienced through the war and the losses that they had all experienced, um, and they were not even in Canada yet, they were still over in Europe. And um, I think dad was so hungry. And so he was the only one in his family at that time. And I take that back. His aunt Agnes mm. accepted Christ then too. Mm. How do you know that? Around oh, then. Okay. So it is, it was a very important time in their life. And dad, you know, I was saying that it shaped him not having his father, but I think the Lord shaped him yeah. into the man that he became my father. Yeah. And um, he was a good dad. Yeah. 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 Henry was his name and and Henry did you know it was an incredible thing to watch a man live by faith um he uh, you know just conversations we had uh things that I watched him with is that you know it was not just a it wasn't a terminology Mm -mm. it was a lifestyle yeah and he lived it yeah and before us yes yeah and and it has and it has even shaped my faith and and, and watching and watching him for the 10 years that I got to be with him. And my mom, you know, she was Mm -hmm. just, you know, she's, she's been amazing, you know, cause she was widowed at 57. Yeah. And, you know, mom has just been really in a lot of ways, my hero with how she has pursued the Lord and allowed the Lord to be her husband for all these years. She's Mm -hmm. 84 now and she has lived alone and she has done it well. Yeah, she has. It has been painful for her, and it's been painful for us to watch her grieve for mm-hmm. for all these years. But she has really allowed the Lord to be her husband and her caregiver. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's been a real, a real blessing for me to watch. Yeah, as she's her just child. an incredible joy to be around. Yeah, yeah, she. You're right. She, uh, she has. She has lived well. She has, you know, despite. Yeah, the, the circumstances. circumstances. Yeah. yeah, and for sure, uh, and that's yeah, incredible parents, and uh, and I I think too of how our parents, our parents got along with each other. Oh yeah, it was an incredible blessing. Oh yeah, you know, they just clicked right away. I oh. remember you and I um, were dating. Mom and Dad flew up to Canada to to meet everybody. And we didn't even, all of a sudden, one afternoon, we're trying to find, where are they? And we found out the four of them just jumped in a car and took off. I know. They just got along so well. And uh, and, yeah, and that was, yeah, it was a blessing, very, very much so. I think they uh, they really had a kindred spirit in Christ, yeah, you know, just fellowship sure. with each other and, and a mutual respect and love for each other. That was yeah. a blessing to us. Um, so this is the kind of home you grew up in. 
And uh, so how did you come to know Christ? Well, um, we lived in on a hobby farm and um, dad loved horses. And so we had a few horses. We had cows and um, different things at different times, rabbits and you name it, cats, dogs. And just I just lived a really good childhood. Like dad basically just gave us what he didn't have, not monetarily, but just fun. Like we, we mm. had to work, we had to, we had to work hard. We all, we all chipped in. We, we, we didn't sit around. There was no grass growing under feet in the summertime. We all had to, had to work. We weren't, and I was young and I was still working, but it was good. It was good for me. Dad let us have lots of time. Mom and dad had let us have lots of time to play. Mm. Um, we had lots of time to work. It was just a balance, and we had a lot of church. We had a lot of church meetings. We had um, Pioneer Girls was something that they had for for someone my age on Wednesday night at church. And Mom and her friends they were all leaders at that at that program. And one um, one of the evenings they were sharing the the gospel through. Um, um, they were, it was a little book that had colors in it and each color represented, um, the, uh, another step in the plan of salvation. The, the uh, do you wordless, remember that? wordless Bible? Yeah, I think that's what it was. There would be a red color and that would show the blood of Christ. Right. There would be black, black would be sin mm-hmm. and white would be, um, the purity that comes through, through Christ. I can't remember all the colors. And then I think there was green that was sharing how we grow mm. in the Lord after we come to him. And, and so it was things like that, that I was, um, exposed to regularly. And I know after one of those meetings, I came home and my mom led me to Christ, um, downstairs in the basement. I just came to Christ. I was nine years old okay. and, um, so that was, that was, you know, I'd had a really good life. I just knew I wanted to be with the Lord. I wanted to be in heaven with him, you know? And so I don't know that that's always bad. I didn't always, I didn't always understand everything as you don't as a child. Um, you don't necessarily get the full picture, mm-hmm. but you do know that you're loved. And mm. so, yeah. So, uh, and then growing up now, you've, you've come to know Christ. How old were you? Nine. Nine. We were both nine. When we came yeah, to we Christ, were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we were both born the same year. Right. So we both became believers. Kind of. Yeah, about the same time. Lived a similar life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now you were growing up there in the Abbotsford area in the Fraser Valley. Um, what was, what was it like growing up? What was your, what was your life with Christ like as you were? maturing well I read the Bible I went to youth group I went to church I was involved um, played piano um, you know all of those things that were part Um, it became I think for me a little more works oriented I often had doubts about my salvation Mm. Um, that kind of plagued me for probably um, I would say it plagued me for at least 15 years possibly longer Mm. Um, I was baptized when I was 12. Um, so I really was desiring the Lord. Um, but 
I wasn't always obedient through high school. I wasn't a bad kid, but I wasn't always a good kid. Um, it's funny how you look back on your life and you, you, you know, I was kind of, I guess I'd probably call myself a consistent middle of the road person. Mm. I just kind of took, I want to say maybe even just the easy way. Mm. You know, I just, I just picked whatever I did. It was always kind of average. My grades were average. Everything was average about me. Mm. Even like not picking the best friends or the worst friends. I picked good friends. Like they're fun. Life was about fun. Mm. Life was about, you know, school definitely got, (laughs) school definitely got in the way of my social life. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) social life was way more important than school. And school was kind of in the way, but I did my school. I could have done way better. You know, I just, I like to have fun. I like to visit. I like to hang out with people. And that's really what I did through high school. Okay. Now, when I look back, I think, wow, I wish I would have pursued, you know, some things harder. I wish I would have, you know, tried more. I wish I would have picked different friends sometimes. I wish I wouldn't have, you know, maybe dated so much in high school. You know, Mm -hmm. I wish I would have spent my time in um, other ways, you know, pursuing other things. But, um, you know, the Lord uses those things in our life despite our poor choices at times. And I know he was working all those things to bring me to the end of myself. Mm. And as, as he still does, um, I was listening this morning, actually, when I was walking the dog, I was listening to Major Thomas. I hadn't, I found him on, um, I found him on the internet the other day and I've been kind of slowly weeding through this sermon that he preached at his hill in 1983 Thanksgiving conference on Thanksgiving day. I have been loving it. But in listening to him, I was just reminded of just, you know, our, my own, my own sinfulness. You know, I don't think that sometimes we realize how sinful we actually are. Mm. We're not really like we just kind of, for me, it's like, well, I'm just average. I'm not really bad, but I'm not really good. And so I'm just average. Yeah. And so we can kind of coast through life like that, just kind of being content with being average. Yeah. And so just being as we'll get there, I guess, just, you know, more in my later years, but just, but the, but the younger years, it was just more like that, just kind of average, had a lot of fun. But like I said, the Lord was moving me and he was drawing me and he was pursuing me, even if I wasn't always pursuing him. So during these years, um, you know, there was a, and I can identify with this, you know, you're, you, you want to be pleasing to the Lord, but, but you're depending on yourself to be good enough. And actually good enough is kind of what you start to accept as being good yeah, enough. Big time. Yeah. And, um, so how, how did you end up going? how did you end up making the decision to go to his hill? Well, that was also an interesting story. Like um, anybody that grew up in Abbotsford knows that torchbearers was just a option, right. a good option for yeah. um, anybody that grew up 
in that area, Abbotsford area. And of course, area. they call it caponry. Caponry, yeah. Right. You go to some caponry somewhere or maybe YWAM or something like that. And just a, just a just, gap year. Just explain that to people who maybe aren't uh, alumni, don't understand all this. Torchbearers is the official name of the ministry that Arlene and I met at going to Bible. So that's what part of what his hill belongs to. Uh, but the original center is called Caponry Hall. And because of that, um, a lot of people uh, assume that the whole ministry is called Caponry. So, you know, so in Canada, that's, that's one of the places where it's, it's commonly known as Caponry. So that's what Arlene means when she says she was, she, mm-hmm. that, that she had heard of Caponry, that that right. was an option. So my sister had gone to Caponry in, um, to Torchbearers in, um, Australia a number of years before. And, um, she met her husband there, which was kind of neat. And um, she, uh, I, I always kind of thought I was going to go to Australia. But when push came to shove, when I graduated from high school, you know, money just really wasn't there to be able to do an Australia trip. There was, um, I stayed back in the fall after I graduated from high school and I um, I worked. Um, but there was a man in our church and he, there were, there were people that were really pushing me wanting me to go to YWAM in Hawaii. I was thinking about that. But then this one man in our church, he had been a student at his Hill prior, quite a few years prior, maybe seven, 10 years before me. And he was kind of trying to persuade me to, to go to YWAM. And for some reason, the Lord just, just was impressing on me that I really probably needed to go to his Hill. And, um, so he came to me one day and he said, he says, well, okay, I guess if you're going to go to his hill, this is what you're going to be taught. And he had all these cassette tapes of major Thomas from when he was a student. And I was like, that's so funny. So he hands me these cassette tapes, which I don't know that I ever listened to at (laughs) that time. Maybe not even, I can't remember if I ever did. And, um, and so it was just kind of that process of somebody kind of pushing me in a direction in a different direction and I opposed it, which frankly, that's not easy for me. Mm. Um, I knew it looking back on it. I know it was the Lord that mm. was pushing me because mm. my, um, my personality and my natural bent would be to please. Right. Yeah. And so to oppose somebody older than me like that and kind of stand my ground, mm-hmm. um, that's not, that's not Arlene. So um, it is the Lord. So I felt like looking back on it now, the Lord really was sure. was saying, go to his hill and don't turn back. Yeah, I you think know. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. There's times in our life that we can look back. I remember Mrs. T, Mrs. Thomas, Major's wife, you mm-hmm. know, she used to tell us that when she was younger, she used to ask the Lord, mm-hmm. why, Lord, why? Mm-hmm. And she'd list all the things that, you know, she had to deal with as right. a younger woman. When she got older, she's she said that the Lord started to show her some things and she, instead of saying why Lord, mm, she's mm-hmm. her statement changed to, mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's why. I and know, we can, that. we can look back. You and I are getting old enough now to where we can look back uh, yeah. and, and see things and know that that was the Lord. Yeah. And oh, for he sure. was faithful. Even when yeah. I, in, in my immaturity and yeah. my, you know, in, in my, um, well, immaturity, not yeah, it, big time. And, 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 yeah. And we can see that. And just to explain a little bit, um, the the reason he didn't want you to go is because he, after leaving his hill, had taken a different path on some uh, theological issues, doctrinal issues that the torchbearers do not agree with. 
and and that's why he was pushing you to go mm-hmm. somewhere else. But um, so you did come. Mm-hmm. You came in, in January. January, right? You came in January 1985 with a host of other first time there students, yeah. which is kind of rare. But there was a lot of us. I want to say 25 of us were new. And that, I don't know if that's ever happened before or since then. Yeah, I don't recall. I mean, I really didn't feel new because there were so many people that were new. That was, yeah, that's... It was rare. Yeah. And uh, you you got there. And I was already there. I came in the fall uh, in 84. And you showed up in January of 85. Right. And uh, that was, uh, um, that was interesting for you and me. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It was interesting. We, uh, I just a, a quick side. Uh, I knew that you were coming. Didn't know who you were, but I knew you were coming because uh, the just a, a, a month earlier, uh, toward the end of the first semester, I was in my dorm in Bethel for the, you alumni. It doesn't exist anymore, by the way. It has been torn down, mm-hmm. uh, which was a sad day for me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, we were uh, we were in Bethel, and uh, my roommates and I, and we're just just hanging around. I remember I was laying on the bed with my feet pushed up against the top bunk, and one of the other guys ran into our our dorm and said, "Hey guys, pictures of the new students are up," and <laughs> every one of us knew exactly what he meant. It what he meant was, "Hey, pictures of the new girls are up." <laughs> brother and without <laughs> saying a word we jumped up took off running down the road and across the grass which you're not supposed to do uh past the chapel down the sidewalk into the fish the rock house which is the office and uh the bulletin board that was the back bulletin board is where they had this the pictures up so i ran in there i was the first one there so i quickly scanned all the pictures and my my gaze just was fixated on this picture of this girl right in the middle of the board she was gorgeous and i thought i'm going after her which is really which is really dumb (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) it's really strange for me to be so bold because i'm a very shy person and and uh you know i'm very withdrawn especially when i first meet people it's after that i start to get a little bit you know more um adventurous maybe talk more i remember students one time coming to you arlene and and uh asking what's up with kelly we see him in class he's animated tells stories he moves around but then outside of class he's very quiet he doesn't he doesn't uh make much eye contact and he doesn't uh, uh he, he doesn't uh what was it uh well he doesn't do he, he's he's very withdrawn we've and been working on that <laughs> <laughs> so, <he> says, <laughs> so they asked you and they literally asked you this question they were in the fish house our dining hall they were sitting with you they got it before i walked in and they were telling you telling you all this what's up with kelly we see him in the classroom we see him outside of class is he schizo? <laughs> and you yes. just started to laugh. And you told them, no, listen, he's very shy. He's quiet when he first meets people, but give him about three weeks and then you're going to wish he would shut up. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's 
story of my life. How long have we been married? I can't ever get a word in edgewise. Arlene's, Arlene's always saying, Kelly is a teacher. And he and, and so that means every conversation oh. comes from the mindset of a teacher. He has to get through his points. He has to make sure everything is said before anybody else talks. And it's very frustrating for her. It can be very frustrating, <laughs> exasperating. But uh, so anyway, just to say that that's, that's me. I'm very shy. But I see your picture and I think, I'm going after her. And I did. You know, yes, it was, you did. Uh, 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 right immediately, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I remember you walked in. I was looking for this redhead, and I need to explain. If you don't know Arlene, she's not a redhead. <laughs> she's I'm blonde. Gray. She's well, she was blonde, <laughs> <laughs> and I. Uh, but I'm colorblind, so the picture I was that I was looking at looked like it was red to me, which was interesting because my dad thought my mom was a blonde and she was a redhead and so it's just this is a family yeah problem <laughs> family problem so anyway i'm looking for this redhead and i can't find her but all of a sudden it was the first full day of classes you walked into the front of the chapel and you went and i recognized right away that's her and she walked down the second aisle she went about three or four desks down that aisle and then you crawled over the desk and because you wanted to sit on the other aisle and you went up a couple more desks and you sat down which i was very happy with because you were right in line with the speaker <laughs> so, so I, I could watch you i could look at you the whole hour oh, and it looked like love. i'm paying attention <laughs> okay so anyway that's how um we uh that's that's how i that how we met but that's that that was how i i found out okay that's the one and then uh, we had that that moment where I finally had the guts to talk to you, and and uh, and then it was um, things started going from yes. there. Uh, and we just uh, celebrated this summer our thirty sixth year of marriage. Yeah, you uh, sure we did. got married. We were young. We were mm -hmm. very young. Our parents were very concerned about it, uh, <laughs> but uh, supported <laughs> us. And uh, and that's a, there's a whole long story with that too, and yeah. it's funny too. But uh, we we don't have time to go into it right now. If you guys really want to hear the story, maybe you could write to me and let me know, and then we could maybe actually get around to that somehow sometime. But um, anyway, um, uh, we we did meet at his hill, and uh, we uh, got married not long after that. But um, anyway, you're at his hill now. Uh, what was it like for you, apart from us dating? What was it like being at his hill? Well, it was sort of a continuation of what I was just saying. It was just fun. Okay. I was just having fun again. Yeah. You know, I'm just a social person. Everything's kind of fun, and life is just fun. And that's kind of how I um, handled his hill. Um, unfortunately, I learned things. Um, the Lord was teaching me things. But I was just having fun. Mm -hmm. And um, I stayed for summer camp. It was good. Um, and it was hard for me to, to be a counselor and in the heat and the bugs and everything <laughs> else. And I was down at the canoeing. Uh, on, on, I was on a canoe pretty much all summer. And um, so there were a lot of really stretching times. You know, there were kids that were, you know, we were leading to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, um, it was, it was a neat summer. Um, 
but it was a profitable summer. It was profitable summer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly looking back, I see just how good it was for me um, to be pushed and stretched in ways that I hadn't been before. Mm. Um, but was I listening to the message? Was I understanding? Was I hearing Christ is your life? Not in my heart. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. It was still pretty fun and social for me. That was life. I think that's interesting because I have found that to say Christ is my life is a phrase that is uh, very well accepted among uh, throughout Christendom. Um, also, I've noticed how many ministries, churches and parachurch ministries that will say we are Christ-centered. It's a very much accepted phrase. Um, but... I don't know how un, how how much it's really understood. Yeah, I'm sure not because I certainly didn't understand. Right. I mean, I, I remember. I mean, I thought I had to read the Saving Life of Christ when I first came to the hill. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just pew, just straight over my head. You know, I did not. I mean, here I am now, all these gazillion years later, seeking out Major Thomas's sermons to listen to, but back then I was just it. I just. I've done that. Yeah. The title, I think, killed me mm. right off the bat. The saving life of Christ. And I'm saved. Right. Let's move on. Yeah. And I didn't bother to even really pay attention to what the book was trying mm. to, to say, mm. what Major was trying to right. say. I had to read it quickly because it was sort of required reading. Right. And I got there late because it was January. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all of us who just came in, I think y'all had probably already read the book. Uh I think you had read it, and I think this was sort of an extra required reading. Okay, it could have been, yeah. And we, I just <laughs> practically skimmed it. I'm yeah. sure, I, I kind of did the same thing as I did through high school. You know, you just kind of get by. Yeah. Chapter titles, getting by, yeah. just doing the minimum. I was thinking about them the other day, actually, when I was looking at, mm. at, at the Bible and reading, and I'm like, wow, I sure really, I sure really sold myself short. You know, I should have spent more time. I should have really read these passages and dug in because there's just so much more there than, you know, basically the title that's given at the beginning of the chapter or each paragraph, you know? Yeah. I find that this is every year we, we see this, you know, we, 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 we know this uh, with, with students that there are those that are just kind of getting by, you know, they're, 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 it, it, it's good enough to be good enough. Right. And and don't realize that's yeah. where we are. No. And you're young. You just. So for some of us, like you and me, <laughs> you know, there's some deprogramming. There's oh, big some, time. There, there's some, you know, there's, there's, a, there, there's a lot that the Lord is just patiently working out of us. For mm-hmm. some students, they come and sit in class and in the very first class, yeah. just are so it just clicks and their their eyes are open to what it means to be in christ just um, a couple of weeks ago with this new student body um one of the one of the students came up to me after class to say kelly i just want to share with you that while you were giving that illustration and we were looking at at genesis and there was just a, a, a goofy little illustration uh she said all of a sudden I realized what it means for Christ to be my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, you know, praise God, and we right. celebrate that. 
But there are, but but the Lord is faithful. He is. He's faithful to use that year yeah. to, the, you know, and, and that's something I have to remember as a teacher there, that that it's not for me to open these minds up no. and, you know, do the tinkering and there it is, Mm-mm. you know, there's the truth now. But this is simply a step in the life they have with Christ, a step of God's faithfulness. And for some, this is the time that they come to realize Christ is their life. Others, this is a step mm-hmm. in taking them to that, which is, I think, what the Lord was doing with you Oh, and yeah. Me. Yeah, big time. Okay. Oh, yeah. He, it was, uh, you know, for me, I know you share your testimony often because you teach in lots of different places and you share it every year. But um, for me, because I don't have that platform, it's different, but it's the same kind of thing. But my deprogramming was probably more the deprogramming of just life being all about fun and for me, mm. you know, and just kind of having to, you know, be deprogrammed from, from that, from those desires of, of just kind of self-fulfillment mm. and of, mm. um, uh, life being bigger than me. And I think now that I'm older, um, that's what the Lord's really been working on me the last number of years is just realizing that this is not all that there is to life. Mm. What we see, what we experience each day, what we touch, you know, cause I'm a very, um, hands-on person. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the teacher. I'm the, I'm the one who likes to do. Mm-hmm. And so with that, um, comes a lot of here and now, right now, I'm gonna, I'm going to do what's in front of me. You know, I'm just going to throw myself into that. And those can be a lot of pros to that. You know, you just, you're, I am where I am. I'm just going to throw myself into that instead of wallowing maybe about the past or, you know, longing for the future. But the other, the flip side of it is that the Lord really has to take that type of a person that is in the here and now and has to broaden their, their thoughts to be, this isn't all there is, Arlene. The here and now good. You're, 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 you're in reality with, with your life right Mm -hmm. now, Mm -hmm. but you have to remember that, that I am your future. I am your past. I am just a part of it, not just in it. I am it. Yeah. And that, um, you know, so I think that deprogramming had to, had to take place and still does because I think we're all products of our, of our world and of our culture. And, we accept so many things that we just don't even know we're accepting mm. until we're kind of making choices that are reflecting the, the fact that we have accepted something that is not godly. Because mm. mm. um, I, I think that happens really slow. Have so easily accepted Yeah, so easily. Gospel. Little things. Yeah, like, little like things. Paul warns against. Yeah. Right. So I think for me, you know, that was more what he had to deprogram me of is just the reality. And, and I think marrying young was part of that, mm. that the Lord knew that in me marrying young, I was going to be thrust into a world of responsibility and of, um, you know, just, um, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, because I don't want it to come across in a bad way, but lack of fun. Not mm. that marriage wasn't fun. And not that I wasn't fun. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> You're very fun, dear. <laughs> Always fun. But... um what I mean is just that life isn't just about what I want or, you yeah. know, now all of a sudden there was another person I had to consider and then eventually children came along and, you know, and the Lord has just been good and faithful to just, okay, thr- you know, yes, 
go ahead with the task that's at hand and just be in, you know, be thrust into, into it and enjoy it and do it. But remember that this isn't all there is, that I am the great I am, Mm. you know, I am bigger than all of this and I am orchestrating all of these events so that, um, you know, you'll be conformed into my image. And so, and then in the end, we will, we will see the big picture, Mm. you know, the, the, the glorious picture Mm. that we cannot even imagine what it is right Mm. now. Mm -hmm. You know, we, cause, because we just see the, yeah, beyond, what's in front of us, beyond you what know? we could imagine or think. Right. Yeah. So and seeing clearly what we, mm-hmm. we don't see right now. Yeah. So that was Bible school, unfortunately, but the fortunate part was that the Lord used you in that process as well, because it was through meeting you and getting me out of my surroundings. Not that they were bad surroundings, right. but taking me and plucking me out of them, moving to Louisiana. And then we were up back in Canada for a while with school, and then we were back in Louisiana. Let's let, let let's talk about that because yeah. this this is how th- this was. This is all part of those years. Well, this yeah. was a pivotal moment for you, you know. Oh, we, big time! I, I we I had moved to Canada after Bible school and attended um, a, a Bible college that was in your hometown. Right after graduation. There was just no opportunity. We couldn't find anything. And boy, I mean, I knocked on doors. Literally, I, I, I phone calls, sent the resume out, but there was nothing. And, right. um, and then uh, had thought, well, we need to go back to Louisiana, join the denomination that I grew up in because it was larger, more opportunity. It was just all worldly reasoning. And uh, then there'll be something there. And I remember you saying, well, Kelly... If you think that's what the Lord has for us, then I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I said, I do think it's what the Lord has. Let's pray. <laughs> and, you know, and I think back on that. So many times, my goodness, you know, here, God, here's my wonderful will for my life for you to accomplish. Please bless it. You know, so, but sometimes the Lord gives us like he did the children of Israel with, you know, when they had the manna and they wanted something else. Sometimes he gives us what we ask for. And look out (laughs) but you know it's interesting you bring all that up because i'm studying personally the book of ruth and i was thinking about that this morning i didn't really even know Mm. we were going to have this conversation yeah this is a last minute thing (laughs) on air (laughs) but um i was thinking about ruth and naomi and i thought you know how you always say you know the lord you know it was your effort that brought us to louisiana right that this was your reasoning your thinking and Mm -hmm. i came with and I was thinking of Naomi and how she was doing that constantly. Mm, mm-hmm, and yeah. it was her reasoning. It's like, okay, well, there's no food, so let's go back. Um, okay, there's no husband. Let's find you one. You know, yeah, it's, it's yeah. all this human reasoning. And Ruth. To do a good thing. To do a good thing. Right. That's right. And Ruth was, you know, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, like, she's, I'm with you. And that's what chapter one is all about, where she's just like, I'm with you. And that's where I am. You know, I'm married to you. And I trust you. And so let's go, mm. you know? And so we went. We went. And and let me, let me interject but, just a but second. In okay, the, but in that process of, of um, Naomi and Ruth going back, even if Naomi was doing it for kind of, you know, just physical reasons and for human reasoning, you know, God was using it in the good of Ruth's life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, and you can the go good of Naomi's and the life. good of Naomi's yeah. life. Right. Yeah. But I'm just going to put myself in as Ruth. So sure. you're Naomi lucky. 
Thanks. Thanks. Okay, so we now in 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 going there, I we we moved back to Louisiana. We did end up in um, in a church there. I was an associate pastor. Uh, some wonderful people that we that we got to know there. We had some mm-hmm. some good friends there. The youth group just precious as could mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Um, and we, um, but the church had some serious issues, uh, yeah. like like you would not believe, and we didn't know that going there. And uh, you know, not to not to take up so much time with this, but just to cut to the end where it was quite wearing on us. Yeah, um, it, so. to, to say, I mean, that's not even giving the full explanation. I mean, it, it was, it, it, it was so wearing, it became physical, a physical issue for me. Well, and for me, the fun was sapped out. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. want fun in yeah. life. I want things to be fun. I always have, but boy, it was not fun. No, it, and it, it was hard. It was exhausting mentally. It mm-hmm. was exhausting spiritually. We and, were just worn physically. out yeah. physically. And we didn't have any children at that time. It was me and you. I was teaching piano, and um, we were working with the youth, and you know that kind of lifestyle that we had. And I know for me, I I I was back to the saving life of Christ moments where I'm like, well, I've done that. Yeah. And I well, I, I remember I, you coming to me one time, saying, Kelly, this was after a sermon, uh, a Sunday morning sermon, and you said, Kelly. If the Christian life is all is only and all about getting saved, I'm not sure I want this. And yeah. I, I tell you what, to scare a, a, a pastor, <laughs> if you want to scare a pastor, uh, you know, have have your have your wife say that. And I remember sitting up one night and just thinking through all that we were dealing with there. And realizing it just an epiphany right there. I did this. I put us here. Thanks, Naomi. <laughs> You're welcome, Ruth. <laughs> and we, I remember thinking and then talking to the Lord, saying, "Lord, yeah. I did this. I I confess that." And so, I am too scared to do anything about it because mm-hmm. I see what I can accomplish apart from you. So, Lord. I trust you. Yeah. Here I here we are. I'm the music and youth pastor, so I will trust you and lead the music. I will trust you and lead the kids. But all this junk that's going on around us, I I will trust you with that. But and, that happened after something important happened to me. Okay. Because I remember that happening okay. after. Before that happened, because I was part of that actually. Mm-hmm that whole epiphany that you had Mm -hmm. before that I was really struggling. Like I had said, I struggled with assurance of salvation for a long time. And, um, then we had gone down to Kelly's parents church was in Abbeville. And, uh, we listened to Bob Hobson and a lot of you probably remember him. He's passed away now, but, and he hasn't come to his hill for probably 10 years, maybe. Oh, it's been longer than that. Okay. But, um, so you recent students didn't have the privilege of hearing him, but the Lord used him mightily in my own life because we took the youth group down to listen to a series of meetings that he was having down in the church down there. And I sat and I listened and I heard for the first time with my heart mm-hmm. that I wished I had heard when I was 18 years old, but now I was 22 and, um, 
hearing with my heart that Jesus was more than a ticket to heaven, that he was truly my um, my everything. Yeah, for me to live. For me to live as Christ, yeah. And to know him and to want to know him and to thank him. That the language, that was really where yeah. the la- that Bob always liked to use the term, the language of faith is thank you. And that really resonated with me. It was like, thank you. So all of those years of kind of self-fulfillment, they're so selfish. It's so selfish to live your life every day just about yourself and about having fun or wanting to just have fun or just wanting to be with a lot of people and just just have a fun life. You know, that's just so self-centered. It's so superficial. And that's what I was, just really superficial. And the Lord was like, no, that's not who you are as a believer. This, it, what, what you need to learn to do with me, Arlene, is tell me thank you. Start thanking me for all the things that aren't fun. Hmm. Start thanking me for all the things that you struggle with. Start thanking me and then watch me. Watch me start to work. Hmm. Because I'm at work. I've been at work. All along, Arlene. (laughs) And it was just a beautiful time in my life to Mm. just come to realize that I just, I just had him. He'd always been there, but I didn't really recognize it. Mm -hmm. Just thought I had to trust myself. And what a blessing it was for me, you know, to have to have it because the Lord had recently worked the same in my heart. Right. Yeah. And maybe a year. Right. And to have a companion, to have a spouse who was on the same page. Oh, and I remember us reading scripture. And I remember one night in particular, I leaned over to you and I said, Kelly, Jesus is all over these pages. Mm. I mean, I couldn't not read the Bible the same. Reading the Bible right. was yes. totally, I, like, I mean, I couldn't even try to read it like it, I used to. It was to. like reading a, 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 was, a new yeah, book. A new book. Yeah. And it was such a such a blessing and such a beautiful time for mm-hmm. me. It was just fresh. Everything was fresh. Everything was new. And um, Jesus hadn't changed. He was the same. Yeah. He was just inviting me into what was already had been, you know, what always has been there. Mm. Just come on, join me. Mm. Just be with me. Do it like I do it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like don't imitate me, but just trust me. Mm-hmm. Just just live with me. Mm-hmm. Enjoy me. Yeah. You know, all the things that I enjoyed in life and I do enjoy, no, they're nothing. Just enjoy me. Mm. I'm the creator. I'm the one who made you. I was there. Mm. I was there in the beginning. That's right. Yeah, it was it was a great time, and I listened over and over and over to the cassette tapes of um, Bob Hobson's over and over, much to poor Kelly. Well, that I was, was not very polite when he'd come in the room and I'd be listening, <laughs> and then I'd he'd come in, "Hey, Arlene," and I'd be like, "Shh, rewind," you know. Play I was again. all annoyed. Yeah. I was wondering what is going on. Yeah, and uh, I was just learning. Yeah. I was just soaking it up and. It was a real, real sweet time. So then going through the ending of the, of those um, years there, we were there two, almost two full years. And I guess, how long do you think we had after that? Maybe a year? Uh, well, I no. think for me, it probably happened within Well, we were the there for two year. years. Right. But for me, 
learning. What I learned was mm. that about a year in. Yeah, uh, you think so? Yeah. So yeah. we had maybe another year or so left there together, and it was different because it was, you and I were it a was team a now. Different world. I mean, and the and all these problems that were around us, which were big issues. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just uh, perspective was different. Oh my goodness, the things that we were, but you know, the, the things that we were having to deal with. It, we we yeah. had we came on staff six months later. A pastor came on staff with his family, and neither one of us knew what we were getting into when we got there. And we were just, all of us were just in shock over the yeah. things that we were having to deal with. And it was awful. But the Lord took care of those things. Yeah. He without did. our scheming, without our yeah. best laid plans, He took care of those things in and truly miraculous yeah, ways. Did. And just waiting, yeah, you know, waiting on him, which is not easy to do, is it? No, <laughs> but it seemed easy at the Simple, time. Simple, but not easy. You know, yeah. And then when the last problem was taken care of, mm-hmm. um, and we knew the the Lord had had done this work. Yeah, uh, that's when Charlie McCall called. Yeah, that's right. And asked if we would be Come willing on. to come on staff, and that yeah. was you know the beginning of. 23, yeah, uh, 23 years of full time. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was incredible to, to see how the Lord just laid these things out, worked in our hearts. This, this is what it means to be mine. Yeah. And, uh, and he wasn't finished. He kept growing and there was a lot that happened between us coming on staff and now 30 years later, uh, that, uh, would take, oh my goodness, two, two more hours to skim through. But we we've gone through a lot of ups and downs over these years, and mm-hmm. but but never without never without the presence of Christ, who's the head of all rule and authority, never without the faithfulness of the Lord, and uh, and and you know I think maybe we should get together again with the mics and and talk about that sometime. Just what the what the Lord has done, what how he's taken us through these things and how he has shown himself faithful. Um, I remember talking to Judy Westbrook. Um, Sonny was a director when Kelly and I were students. Some of you probably know Sonny and he's been interviewed on the podcast. If you want to go back and listen to him, it's a wonderful testimony. But his wife, Judy and I were together years and years ago. We were on staff already and I was talking to her about something and I think I was complaining about something that was going on in life. And she just looked at me and she says, Arlene, but you know where to go. Mm. She says, so many people don't. She says, they don't know where the answer is. She says, but you know. Yeah. And I think that's what it means to say thank you. Right. Thank you, Jesus, that this is not without you. Yeah. This is not, this is not without you who, who is the head of all rule Mm -hmm. and authority. Thank you that this does not depend on me. Right. Well, we got through less than half my life, dear. I know it. We're going to have to, uh. We're going to have to keep going. Yeah, we'll get back together. I think there's a lot to talk about that would be profitable to talk about. But, Possibly. But uh, just so you, the listener, understand that I threw this on Arlene just this morning, uh, and she was willing to His do it. His specialty. <laughs> she was willing to do it, uh, though she immediately was panicked. Uh, but I knew I, I knew it was going to be great. Um Arlene, if uh, anybody would like to correspond with you, what would you mind giving your email? Sure. Um, that would be A-E Doherty, so A-E-D-O-H-E-R-T-Y 66 at gmail.com. 
And uh, mine is uh, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at hishill.org. Um, I want to thank you again for, um, for listening, for taking part in this episode. And uh, we want to end, like we do all of our episodes, not just a catchphrase, but something that really is dear to our, our heart, uh, to encourage you to remember to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Thanks, Arlene. I love you. Love you, too. Well, we're off to a great start for Bible school. The Lord has seen fit to give us a full house, both for the first year and the second year programs. And again, as he's done for so many years, he's given us a great group of students whose hearts are 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 good and that they they want to profit from this time. Uh, they're they're listening in class. They're hearing things, some things they've never heard before, and they're 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 grappling through that. They're dealing with it. So I ask that you would be praying for them as they do so. As I speak, the whole uh, student body, along with the staff, are on our. Uh, fall mission trip. They're up in Marshall, Texas, and they're helping with restoration of, of homes, of lower income homes, uh, people with, with their homes. And uh, just, uh, you know, they'll be back. Uh, actually, um, they'll be back. Uh, to, it's tomorrow, so the end of this week. Uh, but while they're there, if you think about it, please be praying for them and pray that this time that they're there would be of profit and, and, and glorifying to the Lord as people uh, see Christ in them, that they would see Christ in them. Um, if uh, you're interested, live in the local area, or if you want to come down, uh, uh, I would encourage you to uh, look into the Thanksgiving conference. But to do so quickly, because it has been filling up the last couple of years, and I think we're very close to it being filled now. If um, and, and if it should fill up, you know, I would encourage you to, if you, again, if you're not local, to, to look in some of the bed and breakfasts in the area and, and uh, come on in and are, are out and, and take part of it with us. As always, uh, you can stream it live, so uh, be uh, um, looking on the website for announcements with as to how to do that. Uh, this year, we have Peter Reed, the director of, uh, the, I'm sorry, the general director of Torchbearers, who's going to be coming back. And also, we have Peter Thomas, who uh, is has been the director both of New Zealand and uh, Australia Torchbearer Centers, and is uh, going to be here for that week. Uh, so would encourage you to take part in that as well. And I want to thank my wife again for uh, just last minute like this coming in and sitting down with uh, me to just talk about how the Lord's been faithful in her life and showing himself to her in Christ. And so we will be posting part two of that interview next week. So make sure to come back and join us. And finally, once again, I want to encourage you to be keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. Thanks for joining us.